You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. And now, a message from Cyberbit. Mastering cybersecurity is like mastering a sport. You build muscle memory through rigorous practice. Then you train as a team to foster cohesion while operating under pressure. Like athletes, cybersecurity professionals thrive on hands-on simulation. But traditional courses, certifications, and open-source labs won't build you a winning team. You need Cyberbit. Cyberbit offers a hyper-realistic simulation environment for your SOC, IR, and C-suite to refine your skills. All using the market-leading SIMs, EDRs, firewalls, and WAFs they use every day. Cyberbit is offering CyberWire listeners a free live fire exercise. Sign up your team now at cyberbit.com slash cyberwire. Microsoft takes down bogus domains operated by North Korea's Thallium Advanced Persistent Threat, the Cloud Hopper cyber espionage campaign turns out to have been far more extensive than hitherto believed. The U.S. wants Huawei and ZTE out of contractor supply chains this year. India will test equipment before allowing it into its 5G networks. And the California Consumer Privacy Act is now in effect. From the CyberWire studios at Data Tribe, I'm Dave Bittner with your CyberWire summary for Thursday, January 2nd, 2020. Happy New Year, everyone. It's good to be back. Microsoft has confirmed that the North Korean threat group Redmond tracks as Thallium has indeed been aggressively pursuing Windows users and that Microsoft has seized 50 domains Thallium used in its espionage campaign. Microsoft prefers elemental names for APTs, and says that Thallium worked for the most part through spear phishing that spoofed emails from Microsoft. One lesson to be learned from the campaign is the importance of attention to detail. Security-aware users are accustomed to looking closely at the sender's email address to spot communications that aren't from whom they appear to be. In this case, Thallium, which pretended to be sending unusual sign-in activity notices from Microsoft, used a domain that substituted an R and an N for the first letter M in Microsoft. That could be easily overlooked if one was rushed or inattentive. So bravo Microsoft for securing the takedown. The Wall Street Journal on Monday published its investigation into the Cloudhopper cyber espionage campaign that Reuters reported in December 2018. The U.S. Justice Department at that time indicted two Chinese nationals, both of whom remain at large, and alleged that the duo had been working for the Chinese Ministry of State Security's APT-10. It now appears, according to the journal, that the espionage was far more widespread than originally reported. The known victims back when Reuters broke the story included IBM, Fujitsu, Tata Consultancy Services, NTT Data, Dimension Data, Computer Sciences Corporation, HPE, and DXC Technology, and it should be mentioned that none of them were notorious security slackers. The U.S. Justice Department, in its indictment, alluded to 14 other companies that allegedly fell to the ministrations of the hackers. Two gentlemen who are believed to have been employed by the Huaying Hatai Science and Technology Development Company, which itself served as a cyber operations contractor to the Chinese Ministry of State Security's Tianjin State Security Bureau. 
APT-10 seems to have been particularly interested in compromising managed service providers. This is entirely sensible as a target selection strategy, given the extent to which enterprises have continued to increase their reliance on managed service providers. Ann Neuberger, who leads the National Security Agency's Cybersecurity Directorate, is quoted by the journal as offering a Willie Sutton-esque motive for the targeting. Why rob banks? Well, that's where the money is. At least a dozen cloud providers, for example, were hit, and their customers' data were open to inspection by the ministry. Since each cloud provider will have many customers, the total number of organizations affected can be expected to be large indeed. The journal reports that the cloud providers in particular were less than fully forthcoming with both federal investigators and the provider's customers, and this experience is said to have moved the U.S. Department of Homeland Security to push for regulations that would require more cooperation in the future. Some of the affected providers, notably HPE, strongly denied that they had given anything less than their full cooperation to investigators. The journal quotes an APE spokesman as saying, to suggest otherwise is patently false. The Chinese operator's take appears to have been a mix of industrial and traditional espionage collection. Apart from whatever trade secrets may have been culled from the affected companies, the U.S. government now says, according to the journal, that some 100,000 U.S. Navy personnel records were also exposed. The World Economic Forum rated both data theft and large-scale cyber attacks among their top five global threats in 2019, and it's likely they'll stay on the list for 2020. Dave Berg is a principal at EY, serving as their America's cybersecurity advisory leader. He shares his insights on the global aspects of cybersecurity risk. I think we find ourselves today in a situation where the cyber threat that companies in the United States and around the world face continues to be very serious, continues to be an area where executives are increasingly aware and interested in asking questions. But I think we are increasingly not doing enough. I also see many companies working very hard to make sure that as they develop new products and services, they're thinking about dealing with cybersecurity and various privacy-related risks. But we're just, in all in all, I, we're, just, we're just not where we need to be as a society. And, and where do you suppose uh, that, who, who, who does that rest with? I mean, is it private industry not stepping up? Is it uh, nation states not stepping up? Is there plenty of blame to go around? I think there's blame to go around. But I mean, I'm, I'm a believer that market forces are ultimately going to solve this problem. And I think that very smart companies are going to wind up putting cyber first and uh, getting to a place where, Either their business partners or consumers are essentially guaranteed safety and security because of the, the capability of the way that uh, products and services and technology work together. I think there are interesting avenues at a nation state level where those uh, countries who can afford to do more to protect businesses that operate uh, within their providence could or should or will do more. And that will wind up becoming a strong competitive advantage, both, I think, in the near term, midterm and long term. I've heard a lot of people say that they would like to see action there at the federal level so that we, we don't end up with this patchwork of, of state laws. And I'm, I'm curious what your insight is on how that extends to the global marketplace. I mean, is there, is there someone positioned to take the lead to establish what are the agreed upon global norms going to be? 
Well, you know, look, I think that in reality, the European Union got out in front first by driving GDPR. And then you had the CCPA follow. And we've certainly seen more interest in the United States government to push various uh, consumer privacy protection uh, regulation, even at the federal level. I do think that a federal movement, the U.S. federal movement in this space would be meaningful and would be significant because in my capacity um, in my career, I've had an opportunity to travel uh, around the world extensively uh, to meet with companies, but also regulators around the world. So I think that any additional movement by the U.S. federal government would really, I think, be a, a very strong and positive step. Uh, that the rest of the world would likely soon follow. What sort of advice are you giving your clients uh, on ways for them to best prepare themselves for what's to come in in the near future here? You know, I think that one of the most important strategic conversations that I'm having or that we are having is, I think it's to be uh, pushing very hard to get the business owners or business units uh, to, to really truly fully embrace cyber from the moment that they have a strategic thought. I think the other is that as businesses change, as you, you see more and more push to the cloud or more and more use of new technologies that are sitting out in what would be considered IoT or OT space, the most sophisticated companies are incorporating those new products and services and the security implications, again, from the very beginning moment. Um, I think the third piece of advice that I would share is that Uh, resilience and recovery is very much uh, not just in vogue, but critical to business vitality. And so we learned a couple of years ago from the seriousness of the NotPetya attacks, how important it is to be able to get a business back up and running. We see in heavily regulated industries, like in financial services, there's a very strong push to be able to demonstrate resilience and recovery. I think it's incredibly important. So, you know, we used to talk about business and continuity planning and disaster recovery. Uh, Those things are actually back. They're back in force. They're incredibly important. They're actually very hard to do well. And I think it's it's something that uh, must be focused on, not as a academic study, but in fact, proven over and over again, tested. Those are the three, I think, main things I would recommend uh, companies focus on. That's Dave Berg from EY. The U.S. General Services Administration has announced that its procurement schedules, to be refreshed on January 15th of this year, will include bans on doing business with companies whose offerings include substantial or essential components from specified Chinese companies, notably Huawei and ZTE. FedScoop points out that this will affect companies whose supply chains are too enmeshed with those of the proscribed companies. Federal contractors should look closely to their supply chains and their subcontractors. The new rules will move them into poorly charted compliance terrain. India, for its part, will subject equipment proposed for 5G networks to security trials, a development the Economic Times reports has been welcomed by Huawei, which expects to be able to pass such tests in a pinch. The company, which had a good 2019 despite the security controversies it encountered, says it expects 2020 to be difficult. But the company's CEO has a brave face. Quote, If not for the bone-deep bite of winter, where would we get the heady scent of plums? End quote. Our gardening desk says they usually expect the heady scent of plums in April, but all blossoming, of course, is local. 
And to return to compliance, the California Consumer Privacy Act, the CCPA, went into effect yesterday. How this American GDPR will affect businesses in practice remains to be seen. But remember, you may not be interested in California, but California is interested in you. And finally, we're happy to be back with our normal schedule of podcasts after the holiday break. Did you miss us? We missed you. Thanks for listening, and we wish all of you health, happiness, success, and prosperity in 2020. Every day, your IAM tech debt grows. Your multi-generational services struggle to work together. Building an identity fabric can fix this. It makes all your identity tooling stronger and allows you to connect any app to any service you want to use. With zero coding, zero maintenance, and zero app downtime. Strata's identity orchestration platform separates the identity logic from your applications, so you can optimize existing IAM tools and manage them in a single control plane. Now, every vendor, standard, and architecture work together. In short, building your identity fabric means you can secure your non-standard apps, keep your complex access policies, retire outdated IDPs, and modernize in record time. So build your fabric with Strata Identity and get rid of tech debt for good. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire, share your identity priorities, and receive a pair of AirPods Pro. Offer valid for organizations over 5,000 employees. Connect today at strata.io slash cyberwire. And now a word from our sponsor, Netscope. Netscope is a worldwide leader in SASE and Zero Trust. Its unified platform, Netscope One, provides optimized access and Zero Trust security for people, devices, and data anywhere they go helping customers reduce risk, accelerate performance, and get unrivaled visibility into any cloud, web, and private application activity. To learn more about how Netscope helps customers be ready for anything on their sassy journey, visit netskope.com. And joining me once again is Joe Kerrigan. He's from the Johns Hopkins University Information Security Institute, and he is also my co-host on the Hacking Humans podcast. Hello, Joe. Hi, Dave. Uh, you have a really interesting story to share with us this week. Uh, this comes from Financial Advisor IQ, and it's about uh, someone paying some consequences for some uh, financial missteps. Right. What's uh, going on here? There was a financial advisor who was employed with UBS, mm-hmm. which is a large financial firm. Right. Uh, and this guy got into the industry in 1999 and has been with UBS since 2008. Okay. So he's a long-term guy. One of his customers got their email compromised. Mm. And the scammer sent him an email asking for him to transfer half a million dollars out of his customer's account to some third-party bank accounts. Asking this financial advisor to do right. the transfer. Okay. Right. So they acted as if they were the customer, mm-hmm. sent a, an email saying, hey, I need to get half a million dollars moved into these accounts. And this email was not legitimate. Okay. He went ahead and sold some investments mm-hmm. and then transferred the money out, mm. uh, only to find out that it wasn't the customer who sent the email. Hmm. Right. The customer then issued a, a dispute. Now, UBS has a policy that when this kind of event happens, 
you have to verbally confirm by calling the customer, oh. which this investor did not do. Okay. Right? He did not follow the policy. And, uh, in fact, the article says that he went so far as telling people that he had followed the policy. Oh, right? interesting. Yeah. So this doesn't have a bad ending for anybody but the actual company, UBS. Uh, the, the customer actually was reimbursed for their funds by UBS. Uh-huh. Uh, and, and this advisor was dismissed by UBS for not following the policy. Okay. Uh, he has since found another job, but FINRA has now fined him and suspended him for 45 days. FINRA is the Financial Industry Regulatory Authority. They're not the SEC. They don't regulate trade companies, but they regulate how investment bankers behave. Okay. They, they're a consumer protection agency. I see. They're a consumer protection organization within the U.S. government. Okay. Uh, and they have fined this person... $7,500 and suspended him for 45 days. He has agreed to the 45-day suspension and to pay the fine, but without admitting or denying FINRA's findings. It's interesting to me that the the company had policies in place right. to try to protect themselves from this. And their customers. And, and UBS, and, UBS yeah. has... I'm, I'm happy to hear that UBS has this policy in place. Right. Um, the uh, fact that this guy didn't follow the policies has cost UBS some money. Mm-hmm. Um, because, and it's cost him. And, and it's cost him. It's cost him 7500 bucks, not nearly as much as a half a million dollars it cost UBS. Right. Uh, but also cost him 45 days of work. Uh, that's a significant suspension. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I can imagine if, if I give this guy the benefit of the doubt, I can imagine he's busy at work. He's going I'm sure through he is, yeah. his day-to-day. He's under you know the, the types of pressures that we're all under with our jobs. And he cuts some corners. Right. Maybe this is a client that he works with all the time. This sort of thing is routine. There's never been a problem before. Right. So what what's the worst thing that could happen? Right. And kaboom. Yep. <laughs> it sounds to me like a complacency issue, Dave, which is kind of, I think, what you're alluding to here. Yeah. You know, I, I don't think that, that this person will do this again. I think that's, <laughs> that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. 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 And, and, well, I also wonder if you're UBS. Right. Do you take a, another look at what's going on here? Do you? I mean, obviously, you use this as a lesson, a, a cautionary tale. You right. share it with the rest of your employees. Hey, you know, these pro, these things are serious. They're here for a reason. Right. And here's what happens if you don't do them. Yes. But I wonder, uh, do you then, do you have some sort of verification that, you know, someone has to, do you have two-factor calls? Right. You know, I mean, do, do, you, do you have to put another layer in or, or right. not? Now, I don't now, know the answer because- to that. Yeah, like in, in this case, they talk about somebody who is his sales assistant. Uh, do you then have the sales assistant also follow up with the customer to make a phone call and get verbal authorization? Or, that, or maybe the assistant uh, verifies that the call was made. Right. You know, or something like that. Where or the assistant's in the room when the call's made. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Has to, and, and the assistant is on the hook, you know, for the liability there. Who knows? We're, I don't know. We're, I guess we're. Yeah. You and I <laughs> are sitting here. We're Monday morning quarterbacking this to death. Yeah, in, in but, industry, uh, we, we really don't understand. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> yes. So uh, tune in tomorrow for right. more talking out of our butts with uh, <laughs> Dave and Joe. But, uh, but I think it's a valuable lesson here um and yes. uh, interesting cautionary tale for those folks who are in charge of these sorts of things the human factor right yeah. it was it was processes were in place to protect against this and all it took was somebody in a hurry yep or lulled into a sense of complacency and the scammer gets away with half a million dollars half a million bucks right hmm. all right interesting story joe kerrigan thanks for joining us my pleasure dave
Are lengthy security reviews pulling attention away from your security program? With the largest network of trust centers, Vanta can help you streamline security reviews to win customer trust, save time, and close deals fast. Proactively demonstrate security by showcasing key resources like your SOC 2 or ISO 27001 and provide real-time evidence for passing controls. And when a security questionnaire is required, Vanta takes the first pass for you. Visit vanta.com slash cyber to take a self-serve tour. That's vanta.com slash cyber. And that's the CyberWire. For links to all of today's stories, check out our daily briefing at thecyberwire.com. And for professionals and cybersecurity leaders who want to stay abreast of this rapidly evolving field, sign up for CyberWire Pro. It'll save you time and keep you informed. Listen for us on your Alexa smart speaker, too. The CyberWire podcast is proudly produced in Maryland out of the startup studios of Data Tribe, where they're co-building the next generation of cybersecurity teams and technologies. Our amazing CyberWire team is Elliot Peltzman, Peru Prakash, Stefan Vaziri, Kelsey Bond, Tim Nodar, Joe Kerrigan, Carol Terrio, Ben Yellen, Nick Vilecki, Gina Johnson, Bennett Moe, Chris Russell, John Petrick, Jennifer Iben, Rick Howard, Peter Kilpie, and I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. We'll see you back here tomorrow. And now, a word from our sponsor, Zscaler, the leader in cloud security. Cyber attackers are using AI in creative ways to compromise users and breach organizations. In a security landscape where you must fight AI with AI, the best AI protection comes from having the best data. Zscaler has extended its zero-trust architecture with powerful AI engines that are trained and tuned by 500 trillion daily signals. Learn more about Zscaler Zero Trust plus AI to prevent ransomware and AI attacks. Experience your world secured. Visit zscaler.com slash zero trust AI.